0: you guys have wonderful questions i must say i am a lover of competition whether it comes in any forms when things are going good things are easy when things are going bad Uh, I mean, you're just struggling to learn, to fix, to to hustle, to figure things out as quickly as you can. Affiliate marketing is the internet's best kept secret, and all like 90% of your money for the day is gone, and you you never know, you don't know it until the end of the month because nobody tells you that. I'm writing a lot of the business plan using ChatGPT because for me the hardest is like kind of starting these sentences. I'm a little concerned about speaking about it too much because it's such an early stage, but I think that's fine.
1: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Dre and Smiley, the inner circle podcast, where normal people living extraordinary lives share their experiences with you.
2: All right, so I'm excited to share a brief bio about our current guest. Jonathan Carmel is the founder of Affluent Analytics, a company designed for affiliate marketers and has been used by some of the biggest affiliate marketing companies in the world save time with automated reports, and integrate standardized transactional API into their internal tools. Being a serial entrepreneur and investor, Jonathan has since sold Affluent Analytics and has started a new company called Huddle, which is based around sports league management. So I got to say, I'm eager to get into the head of a serial entrepreneur. With that, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So tell me this, Jonathan. So uh, in terms of getting to the head of a serial entrepreneur, and then I want to talk about uh, what affiliate marketing is, and then uh, more uh, uh, currently what Huddle is and that sort of thing. Take me back. Take me back into you know how you got into deciding to be a serial entrepreneur. Oftentimes, you know, generally speaking, you know, when we're young, our parents say you know, do well in school, go, you know, so you can get to a good college so that you can graduate and get a job in corporate America. Uh, although with the younger generation, that's less and less w- to talk about your path into becoming a serial entrepreneur and what drove that.
0: So it might not be the most interesting of answers, but I think I was kind of born into it so my father's been uh, my father's an an immigrant from israel uh, and moved to the us god i think in the mid early 80s mid 80s um and he came here with nothing and he started just he's been he started a bunch of different businesses since he moved out here so he started off in real estate i mean he first worked as a valet which i find hilarious uh, and then he started in real estate, video duplication. I don't know if any of you guys remember Blockbuster, but he would basically supply Blockbuster with, like, all the cassettes that, were, that you would rent. Somebody had to actually, like, duplicate the original videos. Uh, he's most famous for a, a company called Spark Networks. They did Christian Mingle and uh, JDate. Um, and now he's, he's in another advertising business, which is doing very, very well as, as well. It's called AnyView. Um, but, uh, yeah, I kind of just followed in his footsteps. I didn't really intentionally go down that path, but I mean, I just, I love the hustle. Um, so I mean, like the first, I would say we can call it a business, I guess was in college. Um, I was, I went to university of Southern California and I was in, I was actually a video game major in the cinema department. And as our last group project, we started a video game called I believe it was called Finger Dance. So it's like a a dancing iPad game that you would play with your fingers. Uh, And we ended up selling that for like 50, 100K uh, among 10 of us, which is, it's not much when you split split that pie, but like it was a school project. So we were like, wow. So, and from there just kind of moved into um, uh, marketing. Actually, my dad asked me to move out to Israel to help him with one of his companies uh, that was not doing well. Um, and it was never going to do well, quite frankly. But he asked me to come manage it, and it was the be- probably the best education I've gotten. Absolutely failed, um, and that's that's honestly some of the best uh, the best knowledge and experience you can get. Is when things are going good, things are easy. When things are going bad, uh, I mean, you're just struggling to learn, to fix, to to hustle, to figure things out as quickly as you can. And um, after about a year or two, it just wasn't going anywhere. So. I ended up getting um, a, a job in marketing, um, working for God, a horrible company. I'm not going to name them. let <laughs> not, <laughs> not name them. <laughs> I'm not going to name the company. Uh, I don't even think, I think they merged with another company. They, they have a different name now anyways. But basically yeah. they, if you ever go to, if you ever remember going to websites and seeing like the, the advertisements on websites with like big smiles, yes. like you're the millionth visitor
2: yes <laughs> click here yes.
0: Right. so we we did some of that stuff uh which somehow was legal i don't know how but um yeah. did a bunch of that the cool thing is i met some really interesting people in the space in the internet advertising space and it got me down the trajectory of wanting to be in uh yeah internet and tech and marketing and advertising that kind of stuff and so things just uh snowballed into where i am today from there
2: <laughs> yeah it's interesting i always like to hear entrepreneurs talk about the early days we had someone on uh, a few months back a few episodes back steve starowitz who has created and sold a number of companies um he's made billions uh, he's really successful and what people don't often realize is that before you achieve that success like you he had some failures early on after shortly after college. Which is great if you can have them early, right? Because it gives you, you know, more opportunity to kind of grow and expand. So I'm glad you share that, you know, your trajectory wasn't just I hit the ground running, I had nothing but su- success, and here I am today. Oh. So I, I appreciate appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> so um talk about, you know, some of the biggest challenges with being a serial entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's um it's your future is just never clear. It's not like it's not like working and you're you're not just getting a salary, right? Like you don't at the end of the month feel super comfortable with where you're at. You're like, oh, you know, if, if this job lets me go, I can go find another job. Which also obviously nowadays, especially with the economy, is where it is, it's not quite the same. But um yeah, it's just a constant fear. It's a it's a it's a it's a It's your best friend when you're building businesses. It's your worst enemy at the same time because the fear not only scares you constantly, but it also is a driving factor. It moves you to push faster, to uh, to raise money earlier, to do whatever it is that you need to do on on a shorter timeline because you're constantly scared. Like any day could be a disaster. Like especially now, you know, the recession hitting. For whatever reason, it's a very it's been a very weird recession, but normally with recessions you know it just it destroys tons of companies they lose tons of their clients and stuff like that and that can happen at any point um and that is by far the scariest part of being an entrepreneur um your livelihood the livelihood of the people you work with i mean a lot of people depend on you uh and that's just it can be it can be daunting
1: (laughs) wow one thing you mentioned is you mentioned affiliate marketing just for our listeners can you define affiliate marketing? Because we see it all over YouTube, and they say, "Oh, come to my website and do this and buy this product." Is your company does it facilitate that, or how how is it your affiliate marketing from what you started and produce compared to what people advertise on YouTube, or is it the same? Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's so it's interesting. Affiliate marketing is the internet's best kept secret when it comes to monetization of, of human eyes. Um, so basically, everyone knows like banners. They know video ads. You know all sorts of other things. So what people generally, the general population, doesn't know is that a lot of the articles you read will talk about a specific product. So for example, uh, maybe you you type something in top ten top ten best toothbrushes. Um, And you'll go to a person's blog and you'll click on the first link. Uh, That link, they actually get a kickback for that, they get some sort of percentage. Um, So don't always trust what you read on the internet, in fact, be very, very careful. Um, So Amazon is probably the biggest affiliate payer in the world. Um, So anytime you, a lot of companies when they promote Amazon products, any, any link that leads to Amazon, they will get paid for. Uh, I think the easiest way, uh, the easiest analogy is just Instagram. Um, A lot of earths, whatever social, but most people generally use some form of social where their influencer will be like, hey, uh, just went to Macy's and bought this brand new Ralph Lauren Polo or something, and they get money for that advertisement. That's an obvious form of advertisement, but that generally Mm -hmm. is affiliate marketing. Or actually, another one is a lot of podcasts will be like, we'll have an advertisement and say, uh, and visit my link uh, you know, amazon.com slash, uh, or use my, um, uh, coupon code, you know, drain hashtag Dre Smiley. Um, mm-hmm. and that's also an affiliate link. So there's a lot of different ways that affiliate marketing, uh, manifests. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's essentially what the industry is.
1: So is your, is your company from that perspective of the Instagram and a hashtag or a link, are you harvesting the data analytics and providing, giving it to Amazon or what is it that your company did or does compared to what you just described?
0: Cool. So Am- Amazon is actually, they're kind of, they're so big, they just don't really care about anybody else. Um, so they are, they're kind of a, um, a closed ecosystem. Um, they're a walled off ecosystem. So you, it's really difficult to pull data from them also they're because they're so big, they don't give very much data to their users um so they're not the best example so what we do is um we aggregate data from many different places so the best way of of describing this is um we can do this in multiple tiers so one let's say we own a small blog let's say i own a small blog it's called jonathan's blog um i have a couple thousand visitors per day and i want to monetize it one of the easiest way of monetizing it is through affiliate marketing because all i can i can go to these places called, um, affiliate networks, decide who I want to promote. So I can go up, I can lo- make an account with the platform and be like, Oh, I see Coca-Cola. I want to promote Coca-Cola. I love, um, I don't know, world wildlife mm-hmm. fund. Cause I want to promote some charities. Um, and then I can choose a bunch of those and then I can start putting links of those on my site. And that platform tracks that affiliate network tracks all of the clicks and, and they pay me out accordingly. Now, there are a ton of those different affiliate networks. Sorry, I'm getting a little... T- if I'm getting too, you're good. too technical. No. Oh, this is great. Oh, you're good. We're,
2: we're tracking, we're tracking. Yeah, we're cool, tracking. Cool,
0: cool, cool. So the way of thinking about them is they're just basically stores for me to choose things I want to promote. And so those affiliate networks, I will probably, as, my, as a blog, work with a ton of those. I might work with 10, 15, 20 different networks because all the different pl- things I want to promote are in different places. Um, so at the end of the day and this was a problem for us I'll go into that in a minute at the end of the day um, my blog I'll have to find out how much money I made th- this month let alone this t- t- let's today or in the last few hours I would have to log in to 20 different platforms mm-hmm. you know I made $100 from platform A I made $2000 from platform B and then I would add all those things into a Microsoft sp- an Excel spreadsheet and like it just it takes so much time it's n- nothing's automated there uh, and that's just to find the revenue, not to not even to get any kind of like important business intelligence. Like, what are the trends on a daily basis? How many clicks? What is my conversion rate? Like, there are so many KPIs that are really important for these companies um, that are just kind of the locked behind different platforms. So what we did is we came in and we connected all of those platforms into one uh, business intelligence place, one dashboard where you can see On an hourly basis how much money you've made how many people are coming in also like another thing is like if one of the links breaks so for example if an advertiser uh cancels their old promotion their old campaign and starts a new one they wouldn't tell you it just breaks and so maybe you have it on your most top performing page and all like 90 percent of your money for the day is gone you you never know you don't know it until the end of the month because nobody tells you that so essentially, we give you business intelligence um, on your primary revenue revenue channels. Uh, and so this actually this company was born because we, we had a bunch of blogs and websites. Uh, this was the first, I would say, real successful business that we had. Um, we had maybe five or six different websites. Uh, and this is why I say be careful about the top 10 sites is because we had a lot of them. Um, mm. Ours were good. We, we had good information, but we knew our competitors were doing shady things. Um, but so we had like a sleep website. So what are the top ten, how to sleep better? top 10 best mattresses, top 10 best pillows, blah, blah, blah. So we had a bunch of those websites and each of those websites were promoting a bunch of different platforms. And at the end of the month, I was spending like two to three days doing our financials, which is ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Like that should not that should not happen. Uh, and we couldn't find a platform out there that would solve the issue that we had. And so we just built it for ourselves. And then at some point, we showed it to people in the industry, and they're like, How do we get a hold of this? And then we're like, Oh, how money much money do you, you can- have? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what you said is it was out of the, the necessity because it sounds similar to the Shopify guys. I read something where they wanted to be skiers. They met in college and they were trying to ski, and they wanted to have a store online to sell ski equipment. And they came up with this cool Shopify platform. And when they went to the investors, the investors like lose the ski idea. that you created is better than that. And they're like, no, we're skiers. And then all of a sudden the investors convinced them to market Shopify, which is now a zillion dollar business. But these guys wow. started out because what they created, because they said all the sites they would go to were so challenging to use. And they were technical people. Who like to ski they just wrote their own platform so that's awesome yeah.
0: no I love that too because like one of one of the things I think is really important for entrepreneurs is uh, there's 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 a famous quote it's not really a quote but it's a famous adage like everyone believes that nine out of ten businesses fail so everyone's like be careful about starting a business I don't necessarily agree to that mm-hmm. um, I think that nine out of ten businesses fail not because um not because those ideas are are unsound or anything. I I think nine out of 10 businesses fail because I think eight out of 10 of those people can't handle um, the difficulty that comes with having a business. Like you said with Shopify, like they were going down one path and then they stuck with it and they moved into, they pivoted into a different, different realm. And it's really mm-hmm. difficult to make those kinds of decisions and to stick them out and to continue to do that. I mean, Airbnb, I forgot what Airbnb started as, but something weirdly political, I think, or a serial company. Oh no, they're using cereal to, to market. But yeah, that's right. Anyways, that's right. there's a lot of companies that were going in completely different directions. And so, um, yeah, sticking it out is very, it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, what's interesting, um, at least from my perspective, that's not unique to starting a business, right? So even if you got a job, let's say in corporate America, you know, it's going to be challenging at times. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, if you have to figure out, do I want to persevere through this? Um, starting your own business, I think there's a huge reward, though, if you have the ability to persevere. Through the you know the obstacles and challenges that come along. One question I had about the hub that you guys created uh, before you created you created the hub. The reason it, it was created was because you were saying that you know you had to go to different platforms to um, you know collect information and data, which is just time consuming. So you, you had websites that were revenue generating. Um, these websites offered content and you know the affiliate links to these different you know Coca Cola and whatnot the content that was on the site, where did that come from?
0: What a great question. So, I mean, that's a wonderful question. So we had like, cause that was the, that's the core of our business, right? The core yeah. of our business is how to, how to generate that content. Um, and I think you'll, you guys will probably understand the difficulties that come with managing the content, creating the content, being inspired by it. And, right. Um, so, so I was in, ch- I was basically the like editor in chief, I guess you can call it. Um, and so what, so there's the, there's a big point I'll make here too. How, if you're not if you're starting a business, uh, I guess in technology especially, uh, I can't speak for all businesses I guess, but hiring abroad is a wonderful thing. It is unbelievable the the, the amazing talent you can find overseas, at like. I mean, we, we were getting at maybe 10 percent price like we were hiring full time riders uh, in the Philippines for four hundred dollars a month, which sounds ludicrous. Um, the average salary in the Philippines, I think is was like $100, 150 dollars. Right? We were paying good salaries and getting really quality people. Um, but basically, I would come up with um, for people for, who are familiar with SEO. I would basically do some keyword research on specific topics. So I would look at basically what the most searched sleep keywords are um, and I kind of create a plan around those keywords about what kind of articles I thought might be interesting. Um, And so I would basically come up with the headline and maybe the top three uh, speaking points of the article and then I would hand it over to a writer, a writing team uh, in the Philippines. And they would write the articles, and I mean, most of, the, most of the time, I didn't have to do almost any editing. The writing was fantastic. But sometimes, uh, but I would look through their articles and then publish them. But most of it was coming from, uh, I would say, a combination of keyword research. Uh, probably Google Trends was helpful, too, to see what's trending. Um, and trying to find something that's actually, I would find I would find interesting. Um, that's kind of how we manage most of our content.
2: Makes sense. And so... Um... Did that content then go onto a blog page that you had? Because I'm thinking, you know, one thing that that we have, you know, with with um, this podcast is, you know, it's, it's it's a pretty broad theme, right? And so we're able to have a lot of really different and really interesting guests. So if you have a if you have content written content, and you want, and the goal is to attract eyes, clicks. My guess is you have to kind of take the same approach. Otherwise, you're you're missing out on potential views. So was there like a blog page that was anything you might find interesting?
0: So me and my business partner – actually, my business partner – he's been to my business partner on a bunch of different things. His name's is Jan. Uh, we both came from an SEO world. Um, and,
2: and, Jonathan, just for our listeners, um, SEO is yeah. search engine optimization. In case yeah. of what people are wondering, what I'll, does that I'll mean? Get, it's, yeah.
0: it's, so I'll give you the yeah. simple. It's, it's actually yeah. – really, it's not that complex. But the idea is search – so when you search – search engine optimization is when you search um, – From the business perspective, from the perspective of my blog, I want to be ranked as high as possible in that search. So if somebody looks for, does a search for my company Affluent, I want Affluent to be the first thing that comes up. If it comes up second, it's very bad because if somebody's searching for my company, how is it possible that somebody can overtake me? Um, And typically, typically, I can't remember the numbers. It's been a little while, but like something like 85% of traffic goes to the number one. Let's say one hundred percent of traffic goes to the top page. So you're really trying yeah. to make it to the to the to the first ten results. If you can't make it to the first ten results, you're basically a nobody. Right. And so search engine optimization is trying to get you as high up the rankings as possible without paying Google for the ads, because that's a whole a whole different thing. Uh, I prefer fee- I prefer free-, free clicks than paying for clicks. <laughs> sure, who doesn't? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. And so um, that whole process has has many different facets. It has to deal with the hierarchical structure of your content. It has to deal with uh, the technical speed, a lot of technicality of, of how your website is run. Uh, there's there's many different thoughts too, and, and Google only releases little bit of information I don't, I don't i don't know if i can give a percent maybe 40 to 50 percent of what their formula kind of is so it's a lot of guesswork and it's a lot of like reverse engineering and stuff like that so mm. uh there are some things which are 100 percent known and there are some things which are uh we're still kind of figuring out and google will never tell uh that's their formula anyways and so um when we create when we create the structure of our website and the structure of our articles, we are basing it all around keyword research. So then one of the easiest ways to just do things correctly with SEO is just having really simple, powerful hierarchies. So like, and which I think is, is really helpful for making content. Anyways, I actually thought it was, kind of worked hand in hand, which is why Google is such a wonderful company, why their search engine has been the best, they've done a great job in uh, disseminating information and making it easy for you to find what it is that you're looking for, Uh, and so they want you to do the same thing on your websites, so if my website is, uh, let's find an easy one here, Um, what has a good hierarchy, let's just call it uh, organization.com, Organization.com is the the top level of the hierarchy. And from there, you break it down into like organization.com slash marketing slash sales slash HR slash whatever. So that's a very simple uh, um, hierarchy for a website. And then you would put all of your marketing content into the, into the marketing area. You put all your sales stuff into the sales area. And so like all websites should have that kind of structure. Uh, and so for us... Um, I'll give you an example of the one I, that was most successful for us. We did a lottery website, um, so, uh, God, I love that website, it was so much fun. We learned so many really strange stories, uh, which, which we really loved, um, but so yeah, so we would do like lottery.com slash megamillions, lottery.com slash powerball, and each of those, we would have articles re- related to those specific lotteries. And that's kind of how we broke down the website because then Google has a really easy time of telling of understanding this information is for this. It's very easiest for for us to rank you for Powerball then because we know exactly your lottery website and we know your this page is about Powerball, so it's going to put the Powerball page into a lot uh, into a Powerball search. So that's kind of how we broke down the website. And we kept going down and down and down and down. So we'd also be like, so it'd be like lottery.com slash Powerball slash biggest winners slash Joe Francis, $500 million Powerball winner. And you can keep going down that hierarchy. And that's how you kind of structure your websites. Um, yeah.
2: So there's no limit. Yeah. I mean, if, if you structure yeah. the website well, There's no limit in terms of how far down you can drill. I I love that. uh, Last question before I send it back over to Smiley. So what's the frequency? Because, you know, with, with social media, um, my limited understanding, my very limited understanding is that the more frequent the posts, the better, you know, in terms of gaining more viewers and eyes, that sort of thing. So what type, does that apply for these pages? And as it relates to affiliate marketing, and what was the, the cadence, the frequency that you guys came up with in terms of how often you had to put content out there to remain relevant and and uh, ensure you had eyes and clicks?
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good question. Actually, so we don't – Google never really tells you what that answer is. And we were basing everything, again, around SEO. So we were trying to post probably two to three times a week, two, two to three different articles a week uh, with the team – basically we wanted each writer to, to put a, put out one article per week. That was the kind of goal. That was the kind of cadence that we had. We had to do rewrites as well, which was important. Um, re, rehashing old content is something important for every content maker. Um, I'm not sure if that works that well for podcasts, but maybe it does. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> for... like, it's like
2: almost the, the equivalent of doing a TV show rerun. Is that the idea, kind of?
0: Yeah. It can, so that that would work for, I think, for like more visual content. So for like videos and for um, yeah, images and stuff like that. For written, it's just it's just a case of rewriting, going over, making sure the content is up to date. Ah. It's not. It's not. It's not like you're republishing it. You're just going back rewriting. and editing it. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. Making sure everything's up to date. Um, Google loves that stuff. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think generally more is better. If I'm going to be honest. As long as it's quality, of course.
1: Well, here's one for you because I'm so glad you explained the SEO and the hierarchical structure. But as you a couple weeks ago, the world's on fire about chat, GPT, open AI. Is that destroying the content makers? When you talked about the team in, oh. in the Philippines, I'm thinking their horizon is well, like – it's just like they, they have the horse and buggy <laughs> and now Ford's coming down with the automobile. It's like uh, there's something on the horizon and this chat GPT is targeting. It's like nuclear against the uh, creators <laughs> and writers.
0: <laughs> if I'm going to be completely honest, they're probably – Probably super happy, honestly, because they can just use ChatGPT to do their job for them if they're That's smart. That's true. Right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, you, but you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, I know. The, the content generation of ChatGPT. Oh, my God. So I'm, I was writing a business plan a couple of weeks ago for Huddle. And I was just like, you know what? Um, I'm just going to send this to ChatGPT. See if it can write like a little prompt. Like, I, God, I can't remember what the prompt was. It was like, please write a uh, business summary for a sports league management platform. I it. Crushed it. I was wow. like blown away. I was wow. like, wow, I guess. So I'm don't tell anyone, I guess but <laughs> uh, I might be writing. I'm writing a lot of the business plan using ChatGPT because for me, the hardest is like kind of starting these sentences, mm. starting mm-hmm. these paragraphs and it just writes it. And then I just go in, I edit it all, but it makes it, instead of spending four or five hours, you know, it's cut it down probably by like 70, 80% and the content is just as good as it would have been, if not even better than before. So there are some really interesting applications to ChatGPT and all this AI stuff. I will say um, it is a bubble right now. It is an intellectual and financial bubble. It is not as far as we think it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I can't speak for everyone. It's really far, but it's not as far as as what's kind of been blowing up in the media. From the, So the three main AIs that I've played with are ChatGPT, mid journey and dolly dolly two uh dolly two and mid journey are the uh image um image ai so they they make images based on whatever your prompt is and chat gpt is the text-based one uh i would if anyone wants to have a wonderfully fun saturday like definitely check out mid journey uh, i think there's a discord for it or something I- i'm not really sure it is so Whole much me and my friends sat like sat for there for like two three hours drinking beers just like creating all these random prompts and it's it's just so much fun. Uh wow. but anyways super so those I think are actually really really fascinating. Um as far as chat GBT goes though and, and how it relates to content um they are tools so it still requires human creativity human intelligence for those to function properly um, on top of that yeah, so for for content generation, yeah, I think they're they're really cool right now in that sense because they're really good at pulling out How do I how do I how do I split this actually? So in terms of content generation, they're great, but in terms of research, they are not. Be very very careful with it. Cuz like there was a big the their big like coming out parade where Microsoft um got I don't know. They, they decided to invest another 10 billion dollars or something like that into the company. It was very cool, but that I think they showed recently that that, um, that presentation mm-hmm. had like 60% of the information was just blatantly wrong. Like mm-hmm. the, the revenue details, a lot of the numbers that it was pulling were just – nobody could figure out even where it came from, those numbers, where those numbers came from. So like – Definitely, be careful there. We're we're going down a really, really interesting trajectory, um, and I'm I am very long on it. I'm very happy that all the stuff is coming out because, like you you said, you're absolutely right. Back in the day when we were writing stuff, we were looking for this kind of stuff. We I remember yeah. using like two or three uh, of these kinds of like old school AI content generated platforms. They were so bad. I mean, they were barely English, barely English sentences. And now that I can have a common conversation, it can write a business plan for me. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, and I know that everyone thinks the world is going to burn, but I, I, it's just happened to humanity so many times. We've come up with so many interesting technologies that, yes, it flips the world around, but we find a way to, to elevate our the utility of the human mind and less the utility of the human hand. Uh, and I think there's, there's just so much we can do if we can auto, automate a lot of the stuff that's just busy work, right?
1: I, I think it's I've, similar to you, uh, a friend. Of, it was a couple of weekends ago on a Sunday. Uh, i received a TikTok from a friend and had to chat GPT and I went there. Seven hours later, I was in there so long, I was just sucked in and I just lost the whole <laughs> Sunday because I was in there doing all this crazy stuff. But um uh, the question I have for you is two. One is I want to I want you to talk about your other business that uh, Andre mentioned the auto that you mentioned. But the thing is when you mentioned Mid Journey, I wrote that down because I I was on a site, it was an AI. You say Smiley with Jerry Curl in a red suit, and it draws a picture. <laughs> and I haven't seen Mid Journey yet, but the one question is: I let's go back a couple of years ago when Elon Musk was just like afraid of whatever he saw in AI. And I'm thinking they're coming out with image AI, chat AI, content. How many different AIs are there? And what is the AI that scared Elon? Because it seemed like that hasn't gotten out to us yet. But whatever, remember he was in the news and he kept saying. Man, this is going to kill humanity. It's so much faster than us. It's smarter than us. Where is that? <laughs> well, so the, the the most ironic part about
0: this—what a great point! The most ironic part is that OpenAI was funded by Elon Musk. I think he put in a hundred million dollars into OpenAI when it was a mm-hmm. nonprofit to to combat AI against Google. So, like, it's just so ironic that this this company now that's like. Get, blowing up now it's a for-profit company of course Mm -hmm. uh was funded because of those concerns from elon musk back in the day and now it's just like it is the ai (laughs) apocalypse from from this one company (laughs) um yeah i guess there are concerns there i don't know i generally tend to this is just me being an optimist a technologist optimist is that i just don't think that that's that's going to be a reality um Mm -hmm. there's a chance there's a chance that who knows i mean There's a very, 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 very small chance, but I'm not really concerned about AI taking over the world. Um, And it is, it's a good thing that we have open AI. We also, Google has their AI barred. Uh, I'm sure everyone and their mother is building AIs now because of this whole bubble that's going on, which is good because the more, the the more that AI comes out, the safer we will be, not just as like a human, (laughs) human race, but the safer we'll be as consumers because the more the AI is out there, the less there'll be sharing of like, um, a lot of the the personal data, maybe that maybe that's actually not true. I don't know. But the more that AI is out there, the safer I think it'll be. The, to have different branches uh, of this really cool technology will just prove fruitful for everyone.
2: Makes sense. So tell me this, Jonathan: <clears throat> Being a serial entrepreneur uh, with AI here, you know, surrounding us, have you thought about business opportunities around AI? And you don't have to share them. You don't have to share them. Yeah. No, I'm always going to share. Have, have you have <laughs> you thought about business? What sort of business opportunities exist, leveraging AI, and and, and, and just generally speaking?
0: Um, I, I've started to think about more and more things the last couple of weeks as it started to blow up. I think there is going to be a huge opportunity. I mean, the the way mobile phones, uh, the iPhone came, like completely changed the. The technology uh, ecosystem, the way the Internet's changed things, we're 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 moving towards a direction where a technology will come out that will change uh, the way so much so many things are done. Um, So, so many. So the getting ahead of the game there and starting to think about that, I think, is is really relevant, especially for for entrepreneurs. Again, we're not there yet. I I think it's too early. think we're in the not even in the beta phase we're like in a pre-alpha maybe right now mm. uh but i think in the next five years people are telling me i'm crazy that i'm, I'm too slow maybe that's just because i'm getting older i don't know the, i think it's about 10 years before we'll start to really see it uh permeate society in a way that's that's accessible for all intra- entrepreneurs um I think for the next four to five years, it's just going to be in the hands of the of the big boys, uh, the Google's, the Amazon's, the Microsofts, um, uh, for the most part, as as far as those kinds of AIs go, and how they how they can relate to to a small entrepreneur. Um, but I mean, yeah. So actually, we're we're investing in a company who's doing I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, so I'm just going to say they, they work in spam, Ooh. so they, it's basically AI removal of spam. Okay. Um and it's really that's a really great way of AI working. I mean, for example, like um I don't know how it would work for phone calls, but I'm I don't know about you guys. I'm getting so many spam calls mm-hmm. and spam text messages these days. I don't know where it's even coming from. It's just going getting worse and worse. But yeah. I think AI can have a really powerful effect on even something as simple as that. Maybe that's actually a great idea. Maybe I shouldn't have
1: said that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Is <laughs> I'll just it down. I'll code it tonight, Andre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make it happen. yeah.
0: But there's a lot of good ways. I mean, like all the super apps are coming out, and I think so. I think one cool way I can help is just making our lives just easier, right? How it can help us with our finances. Uh, for example, um, I think a cool one would be I have – no clue how many things i have i'm subscribed to right now and i know there Ooh. are apps right now that can that can deal with that but i would love an ai to, to be like yeah actually i'm not sure in what context that would work to be quite frankly but to have the super mm. app ai i think is just really cool they can they can touch into your financials they can touch into your work into your paychecks mm. into all that stuff and just give you like interesting oh actually you know what health would be really interesting yeah i think health would be a really cool one Cause like, we're all trying to do our best to be healthy. God knows we love our Taco Bell, but um, it would be really cool to have AI telling, I have this ring on, I don't know if you know, if you've heard of it, but it's called yeah. Yeah. Um Really plugging companies left and right here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a really, really cool company. And it just does like health biometrics and the app has really cool data points, but I wish it ha- it was just pushing that data at me a little harder, like telling me. Yeah, you you your heart rate was a little too high yesterday. Did you have a drink or two that's affected your sleep? Your sleep is 10% shorter than it normally should be. It'd be cool if it pushed stuff like that, and I think an AI actually would be wonderful for for extrapolating a lot of that information.
2: Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> let's let's talk about um, affluent al- analytics. So most in my mind, the goal of most entrepreneurs is to build a company that's so profitable that it appeals to another person who wants to buy it. Right. Um, you clearly achieved that. What was it like once you realize that, wow, I've been a part of building this, you know, this product that we're about to sell. What, what, what was that like? Forget about how much it sold for. I just want to know the feeling you had of, you know, and and, and, what you, and how you would describe it. Would you, would you describe it as success? Would you describe it as, all right, on to the next one. How would you describe it, and, and what was that like?
0: Um, wow, it was a wonderful feeling. God, I can't. Bringing me back a little bit, I love that. Um, yeah, it was... It kind of came out of nowhere, if I'm going to be honest. like It wasn't like we were shopping for buyers. We were trying to sell the company. We were just grinding super hard. We had a really strong year. And then um, a company just approached us. They're like, I think it's time for us to have a talk. And we're like, what does that mean? I think I know what that means, but what does that mean? <laughs> and, and my partner were like, yeah, okay, let's do this. And then it just, it kind of happened just really fast. Um I mean fast relatively, I guess. Uh, like three to six months, we were starting to talk about terms and kind of closing out the terms. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing, a lot of like I'm about to walk away situations. But um, luckily we're all the all of the uh, the founders of Aflon were just we're family. We love each other. No matter what if we fight, uh, um we'll find a way through it which is really really powerful and it's really important also if you ever decide to have a co-founder you are essentially choosing somebody you're marrying um in fact i think it's more important to choose a better <laughs> co-founder than it is to choose a significant other because um, they are you are just attached to them they they really control a lot of you and you control a lot of them and um it's it's really 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 important um inspiring you for inspiring the company and the employees and everything so anyways i digressed um it was yeah it was a really really wonderful feeling um it's it's a really difficult time though because you're you're having to continue to grow the business because you're not sure if it's going to go if it's going to work if it's going to go through a uh, letter of intent doesn't mean really much in court honestly uh, mm-hmm. and so uh actually i'm not a lawyer don't don't take that <laughs> um, and so, be, be yeah, we had to be really careful that we weren't dedicating too much time to um, uh, to the acquisition towards getting all the documentation and finding all the numbers, and not actually managing and running our business to continue to grow. Because if it didn't work out, we, we wanted to make sure that we were still still in the black and still doing well. Um, And I don't remember the prior questions, but I hope that answered them.
1: (laughs) No, the one thing I I read a a serial entrepreneur, a person who starts companies and sells them. He said it was similar to you have your kids and you send them off to college. And it's like you you want them to kick them out the nest so they can grow. But when you see your baby that you started from concepts, and now it's part of another bigger company. And you're just like, okay, let them, let them let them sprout their wings and fly. So it was like a proud father moment. Do you feel like that with some of your companies that you, you're not the CEO, you're not setting the strategy, but you're like, that's what I started. And you're just like a proud father or big yeah. brother or something to your companies because they're flourishing without you. But once again, that was yours. Is it similar to like that?
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So I think I've been really fortunate in a lot of different ways. Each company I've started kind of, I think this is maybe the third or fourth one has kind of rolled into the next. So it's almost like, it's not even like each individual company is a, is a baby. It's almost like each company has been uh, an evolving part of myself an evolving part of, of my, my, my journey through life. And it's been really cool to see each one grow and, um, Put it out into the world so each yeah it, let, letting go of apple was really difficult for us because like it going into s- selling a company it's they will almost always tell you that it's going to be the same just with more resources your company is going to stay exactly the way it is we just want you to grow faster with resources and a lot of times it's not and um for us, it had to evolve once we joined the company uh, in many different ways. Our roles and our positions had to evolve. And um, yes, you do have more resources and the people you work with are now like, well, I mean, yeah, they're acquiring you, they're going to be significantly larger in that that ecosystem. Um, The company acquired us, they're, they're the biggest in the space. So it was really cool to go from like on our own tiny children to like a part of this just really amazing company uh, and to see how that operates to go from startup to corporate is mm-hmm. it, it's wild it's just yeah. really really crazy to see that um uh, and to get to be a part of two ends of that spectrum was like almost instantaneous an instantaneous flip is is very interesting uh very very enjoyable because i never really worked in a big corporate company so being a part of that was nice and and all of the the c-suite were really helpful all of the people uh at the company acquired as impact were just wonderful um uh, i think a lot of them will be friends for life i hope so anyways but maybe investors (laughs) there you go there you go that's great as as
2: you shared that story jonathan there's a car um he's more than a reviewer but his name is doug Demiro, and he uh, does car reviews on youtube and he's been doing this for. Before that, he 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 was a writer. Um, and he started doing YouTube, and then he opened up at the start of COVID. Uh, he opened up a that's um, called Cars and Bids. It's a um, what is they they sell cars online, okay. and he's like you was grinding it out, you know, just trying to build it and grow it and that sort of thing. Recently, a VC came in and gave him a huge. um. Uh, a pot of money to you know take over majority ownership of the company and it's interesting i'm i'm curious to see how this evolves because in, in as they interviewed him he was saying you know i'm still going to be a part of this i'm going to have a smaller role that sort of thing but usually when you're a startup you know it's kind of a small um nucleus kind of a small family and you guys you know you have your you have your your voice that everyone's accustomed to seeing and hearing but um Usually when a larger company comes in, you know they want to grow it even larger and that 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 picture that voice tends to change so I'm curious to see what's gonna happen with him uh he he came to mind as you were sharing your story yeah. um one 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 quick question then we'll go on to the to the uh actually two quick questions then we'll go on to the final four so one huddle so tell me about the transition to huddle and what is huddle
0: um so something it's been it's been like a brainchild of mine for about a decade now um like i think yeah i think i thought of it even before i built affluent um it's it's just very simple um there are tons of like recreational sports leagues out there um all over the country and basically in every city there's going to be a basketball league or a soccer league or something like that and um the technologies that are powering those leagues are antiquated. Um, The designs are horrible. The functionality is bad. There's a few that are okay, But I think their business models are not correct. And um, they kind of, those platforms that the the leagues are built on are operating in the back. Um, Yeah, you know what? We'll just go with the the whole. I'm a little concerned about speaking about it too much because it's such an early stage, but I think that's fine. but the idea behind it is we're, we want to build a social community around sports leagues. Like the fact that that doesn't exist right now, that's so difficult to find a league. You can only do it really by Googling, that there isn't like a de facto champion of sports leagues that it, it just doesn't make sense. Sports leagues are a huge thing for, for especially Americans. I mean, almost everyone plays some sport, maybe not almost everyone, but a lot of people play sports in high school and in college. And then what happens afterwards? Like we just, there's there's just no easy way to to be a part of those communities i think there's just some disconnect there that's just that should be bridged and um i want to be the person who bridges those uh, i want to build a community that allows it uh teams and leagues and people to just very easily play sports in their communities and um i want to do it in a way that's free for the league so from a business perspective um the leagues will be saving money they're also going to have better tools Uh, from people's perspective they'll just from the entire ecosystem i think there's just some really cool functionality that we can develop that will really revolutionize the way people play sports and i think that in the future um, we can also dive into pickup games and help people to like set up their own just like local sports no money involved or anything like that and i think that by creating a company like that we will um there's like a feel-good moment to that as well if i can convince I think that with a better platform, more people will play sports. And if more people are playing sports, the more people are participating in their community. More people are being more physically active. They're being more healthy. Like there's a lot of like secondary benefits to having a company like that, which is becoming more and more meaningful to me as I continue my career. Um, rather than just like I, the marketing company was a wonderful company, but like, let's be real. It's, it's not really doing any good for the world. It's, it's, it's just allocating resources in a more effective way. Um, whereas huddle, I think can really do, um, some meaningfully powerful things for, for communities and for people.
2: Nice. All right. So what's one thing that people don't know about you that you wish they knew?
0: Man, I'm usually an open book. So I think everyone knows everything. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, one, one thing that they don't know. Um, That's a really good question. That's like an existential question I I need to ask myself. I Um, I am a lover of competition. Whether Ooh. it comes in any forms. So I play okay. games. I used to anyways. I, I try not to. It's a, it's a dark hole. <laughs> um, I, sports, okay. companies. I mean, I'm just an extraordinarily competitive person. I think that it's it's a double-edged sword for sure. Like it sure. helps me get ahead in a lot of ways, but it also... Uh, losing hurts. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: We'll go with that. Super competitive. Uh, All right.
1: Do you, do you play chess or play chess Once in a like while. the reason I read this article is this is going back 20 years ago and the guy was um, some movie or something I saw and the guy was saying um this little chess prodigy he was destroying everybody and he's just beating <laughs> everyone and he says no it's it's not the act of winning it's the act of winning by telling them you're gonna kill their king on this square so then every then, what he would do is he would say dre you're going to lose on this square where we're able to capture your king so his whole quest was to get dre on that square so he could kill him and the chess move and then dre's whole thing was not I to get near it. that part of the game so he just yeah. changed the whole dynamics of winning by changing it's like just beating someone isn't the thrill the bill the thrill is telling them where you're going to kill them that's the thrill. So, <laughs> and and that took competition to a new level in this our little movie and the guy was like that was his quest. But no, the, so on the final four alive or dead, alive or dead, who would you like to have dinner with? And there's only four chairs at the table. You're in one, there's three other people at the table. Who would those other representatives be and why?
0: Um I know for a fact one of those chairs would have taken been taken up by Elon Musk like a year ago. Ooh. All this Twitter crazy – all the stuff that's been happening recently has been a little off-putting. I would still put him at the table. I think he is wonderful. He's, he's done some wonderful things for humanity, uh, mm-hmm. SpaceX and Tesla and Neuralink. It's just so, so many really interesting concepts have come from him, and uh, I think he'll just be – in the future seen uh, maybe eccentric to some degree, but he'll be seen as a visionary and a true leader of of the human race. And so I think it would be really interesting to have conversations with him about uh, all sorts of things. Like I would love to have the AI conversation with him. I would love to have, he, he believes that we, I think there's a, maybe he believes there's a percent, he believes there's a percent chance that we live in uh, essentially in the matrix, some form of it. Um, There's just a lot of interesting conversation that would come out of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Three chairs, right? Three, three more chairs. chairs.
1: Two more, two more. Elon's one and two two more.
0: Elon's one. I put my father in a chair. I just love him. He's just one of the best role models. He's just been such a wonderful person in my life, and I just love him. Yeah. I don't need to have. There's no other reason that I really would want him to put him there. But if I would want to put him there, also because to meet Elon Musk, I think he'd be super fascinated as well. And the third one, um, interesting. I wonder if I'd choose one of the old philosophers. It'd um, mm. Be a fascinating conversation with them as well. Um, one of the old philosophers, or maybe even one of the old, uh, one of the old presidents, maybe Washington or Lincoln. I think, uh, mm. historically, I mean, actually, Genghis Khan. I've been getting more and more mm. into history recently um and i think there's some really interesting things we overlook there's a book i read called principles of a changing world order by ray dalio uh it's like oh, the last five an outlook of the last 500 years uh of economy i mean generally based around like the the, the federal reserve or the the world's reserve currency mm. so like the more and more i dive into history the more and more i find a, applicability to today um just for for myself or those around me for for the for economics and stuff like that so I think it'd be really cool to have an old um, historically powerful kings or amber like Genghis Khan or maybe Julius Caesar um, something like that that'd be fascinating
2: Yeah. I, I wonder sure. if
0: we'd even have anything to talk about though quite frankly <sighs>
2: You'd have to have, just let Elon start the conversation off. It'll go from there. It's just got yeah. <laughs> to build <Yeah>. from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you so, want to be me on
1: this. Mars? Gang is going to ask Elon, why do you want to go to a red planet? Really? There's so much here to conquer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh no! So, I am super gung ho about going to Mars. I uh, like I would in a heartbeat one of the people like sign myself to be one of the first people. I had, when I first sold the company, I had like a, a weird, um, a weird moment where I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna use these funds to become an astronaut. But <laughs> I nice. spoke to a few astronauts, and they're like, you don't want to do that. First of all, right. there's still no chance. It's like a very right. small chance. They're also like, don't do that. Just- yeah. You know, yeah. We need your brain for better, better things.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, um, Jonathan, what's been your greatest success, personally or professionally? What's been your greatest success?
0: Um, yeah, so Alpha One was definitely a huge success. Um, it feels... It feels... Too easy to say that, but I, I I think professionally that that was definitely my biggest success. It's hard to it's hard to say anything else. Um, it was really it was really difficult. Um, starting the company, we were basically running two companies at the same time when we first started it. Um, we were running all of the websites, the five or six websites, and we were building that company at the same time. So that, that those times were, and we're paying ourselves like, you know, a grand, two grand a month. Uh, I don't, I have no clue how we were living. I mean, I was eating my entire diet was eggs and rice like that's all uh, I ate for like maybe six months Wow! Um, what was your and...
2: first meal after you sold the company oh <laughs> what a great question what was it i think I first big in... deal
0: yeah i think i was in israel with my dad um who was one investor in the company as well and i think he just took me out to just like a fantastic steak dinner there which honestly steaks in israel are horrendous generally so like i wouldn't say it's the, a fantastic meal but if, if you've been to bourbon here in the u.s or in nashville yeah uh bourbon, we went to bourbon mm-hmm. steak when we, as soon as we got back uh, okay to the u.s me and my founder and that was a wonderful meal it's a good spot um, yeah and also i took a week off in mexico we, we oh. stayed in a place called um it's right next to puerto vallarta i can't remember what it's called but we took like a week at the w it was it was wonderful Yeah. Um, and i ate like Maybe nine meals a day, just all the fish and <laughs> seafood and tacos, just horrible. It was horrible. And am trying to push yeah. tequila too. That was, that was wonderful. Um, what was that? What, what was the other question? I can't remember.
2: Um, so what's been your greatest success personally or professionally?
0: Um, personally, um, I don't know. I think. So I have a really addictive personality Um, when it comes to basically, I mean, you name it, I can, I can find a way to addict myself to it, just anything. Um, And so I think overcoming that in a lot of different ways and trying to, to turn that addiction into something productive when it comes to work, when it comes to working out, soccer, uh, all sorts of, to channel that energy into something productive, I think is, has been an accomplishment that I've, I'm, constantly fighting and constantly trying to push in the right directions and it's probably on a daily basis the thing that i i am most proud of of myself is moving that into the right direction and you know we, we're all human there are some that's days right. when i just i mean i had my allergies were crushing me this week and so i was not productive a lot this last week i like binged netflix and read like fantasy sci-fi but it did like nothing i just like yeah. was kind of a sack and um that's just part of life it and, sure is. but like I know that this Monday I'm going to get myself God willing Nashville stops punishing my, my autoimmune system. <laughs> uh, um, uh, but I'm going to get back to it we're going to get right back into it and, and work hard and, and be productive. Um, uh, but it's, yeah, it's good.
1: All right. So here's one for you. Um, the third final four question is, uh, what's your superpower? Superman flies. The Hulk has his strength. Uh, Wonder Woman has her truth lasso. What is uniquely your superpower?
0: I have two. Um, one is just—it's just like people. I'm good with people, generally speaking. Uh, I'm really, I'm really good at making people feel comfortable, um, which I think is both a superpower and a weakness to some mm-hmm. degree, because I think if you it's easy to show weakness if you're always trying to be nice and always trying to get people to like you. And that's another thing I'm trying to work on personally. Uh, but at the same time in a company aspect, if you're trying to, to collaborate in a lot of different things, um, trying to work with people who are <clears throat> maybe investing in you, or maybe you're investing in them, I think it's a, it's a really powerful thing to have. It's, it's better to have more people like you than more people hate you. So mm-hmm. we'll work in that, in that regard. Um, <clears throat> The second one um i love solving complex puzzles i cannot it's like you know when you you have a word at the tip of your tongue and you you -hmm. you have to find it you have to and so like i find that about almost everything i have to find a solution to it and so when it comes to companies like i can't and i if i have any kind of inclination that the solution we've chosen might not be the best even by like a small margin I will delve on that thought for as long as I possibly can. Um, and so having to, and I think it's a it's a really important entrepreneurial trait as well uh, to always be trying to find maybe not the perfect solutions because perfect is the enemy of productivity, but, the best solutions given resources, given, yeah, given general resources, time, money, and restrictions that you have. Um, And I, Mm -hmm. it's not even that I have to do it. It's, I really enjoy that process of finding, finding problems and helping people to solve them. It's one of the reasons why I'm like, I have a lot of friends who are in the, the same, in the, in the business world, in the tech world, not even friends, even just colleagues or even I, I just enjoy that process. If anybody wants to talk business with me about like their companies or their issues, their problems, I'm always an open book with them, and I I love helping them solve those kinds of things.
2: So if, if you were to write a autobiography, what would the title be?
0: God, <laughs> what a great question too! Ah, oh, you guys have wonderful <laughs> questions. I must. Say. Um, what would the autobiography be? Um, game time.
2: Game time. I like that. I
0: like that, it. I like that too. It's always game time for me.
2: So, so, so let me tell you, Jonathan, um, you know, the, the way the way we connected um, was, was pretty amazing. I, I was telling Smiley about it. Now that we've had you on the podcast, uh, you have a pretty fascinating story. Uh, one of the things that Smiley and I both enjoy is meeting new people, and learning about them. Having this podcast is just kind of like an extension of that. Um, I really appreciate you taking that time out of uh, your Saturday, even though you weren't feeling well, to uh, to join us on the Dre and Smiley podcast.
0: I'm feeling so much better now. All Isn't right, <laughs> It's because of you guys.
1: Mission accomplished. <laughs> just like Dre said, I would I would echo it. Uh, it's been fascinating having you on our podcast and sharing your ideas. I took a few notes the mid journey and and just your tenacity and your 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 honesty with. Because a lot of people, you, you you see people who start companies or entrepreneurs, you just think they, it just was easy for them. And it's always a grind. And, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. Sometimes you have failures, but you get back up and you just persevere and things work out. So that's a awesome story. And and thanks for sharing. And thanks for your time on, on a Saturday. We appreciate you.
0: I really, really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you so, so much for having me.